Tom, are you okay? I lost her. Her? She was going to be this epic, trilogy-worthy character. I was going to be the hottest writer in Hollywood. But I can't get past Act One! You need some writer's group therapy. Hello and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe, share it with your friends, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online at writersgrouptherapy.com and also on Twitter and Instagram at WGTherapy individually. I am Tom underscore Loveman on Twitter and Tom Loveman on Instagram. And I am at Moon Lily Music on Instagram and at Roshni Lamino on Twitter. So we've had a lot of time to binge everything and rewatch everything. Yeah. <laughs> Not all good. <laughs> Not all good. Not all good. You know, okay, I do have to say, and I think this is maybe what made me think of today's topic. Okay, so they have the Tiger King series, and then they did like the Tiger King follow-up with Joel McHale, and now they're doing Tiger King the fictionalized version with Nicolas Cage. And you have to ask yourself, when is enough enough? You know? I didn't know they were doing another version, a dramatized version. Wow. You didn't know? Oh my gosh. I've actually, one of the few people who haven't watched it. I I think I watched like five minutes of it and I turned it off and then that was it. It's it's a train wreck that you just have to keep watching. That's what I hear. Yeah. It's so bizarre. But it does make you wonder because you think, why do you need another sequel? Why do you need another follow-up? What about, you know, should you write a trilogy? Should you write a whole series of something? When when are you done with that story? And should you ever revisit it? Yeah. Um, it's funny you said train wreck because it just popped into my head. Uh, P- Snowpiercer is coming out on streaming as a series. And that was a movie, mm-hmm. uh, actually it was a Korean movie, that um, had a long, long road through production and finally getting released here. It starred Chris Evans, actually. And it was pretty, I loved it. I thought it was great. But now they're doing it as a series. and. I think that's one of the re- reasons we see a lot of fran- a lot of uh, IPs continuing to go and go is because they haven't done it on all the different platforms yet. So you had the theatrical version, you have the streaming version, you have the TV series version. As long as they think there's still a place to elaborate on it to uh, to show it to people who haven't seen it yet, they're willing to do it because it's still you know prime uh, content that they haven't done yet. But to be fair. You know Snowpiercer is originally a comic, right? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So one thing that I think is interesting, because a lot of adaptations such as Snowpiercer or Walking Dead or His Dark Materials. Now, I know Walking Dead was never a movie, but the other ones were movies, and they don't quite work as movies. Like, they kind of do, but not really. But when I watched His Dark Materials as a TV show, I'm like, they should have just done this in the first place. It makes sense. So Snow Snowpiercer as a TV show makes sense to me because then they can elaborate and you don't mind sitting there for five hours versus two. Yeah, it felt like the story wasn't fleshed out as well in the movie. I mean, it was exciting and, and you get the basic gist of it, but it was kind of like mysterious. Like you never really understood the underworkings of the civilization that was living on a train. So they'll yeah. be able to work that out a lot more detailed in the series. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, what do, what do you think? Are you, I'm all about standalones. I really love, I hate, like, as a reader, as a 
avid book reader, I cringe when I see a series. I will not start a series if it's more than three or four books in because I just don't have the time to sit there and be like, oh, let me read 17 novels. And so actually I tire as a, as a you know, not not a writer, but just as a general consumer of, of entertainment, I tire of something that just keeps going. But I know some people love it because yeah. it's familiar. I used to read a lot of Star Trek novels. Um, I've always been a big Trekkie. And uh, I think the thing about those and about like Harry Potter and a lot of these other series that then do become movies is that it's uh, for the fan base, it's, it's easy. You can sell it to them so easy because they already know all the characters. They know the world. And you're just building on it and telling more stories. So you can jump in a lot quicker. You can pick up a novel. You know all the main characters. And you kind of run with it then. So that's one way. Star Trek is kind of a weird uh, cinematic um, situation. Because the movies, they were never like Harry Potter blockbusters. They were never billion dollars. They were, you know, 150 to $300 million movies. Um, but they had a strong fan base. But unlike Star Wars, it has been adding more and more, you know, people to the fan base. Um, Star Trek does not. It, it kind of, if they're they're happy if it plateaus and stays stays the same, but they don't really add a lot more fans. Even the new TV series on CBS All Access, which are fantastic, are really just fan service. They're, mm. you know, the last one, Star Trek Picard, um, was fantastic for me because I got to see all the characters I knew from the Star Trek shows and uh, in a new story. So it was easy to get into, but then, you know, you have all this, you know, familiarity. But for people who weren't fans of it, I think it'd be harder for them to get into it. Star Trek Discovery, a little less. Wait, 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 wait. Because it, because there's so much stuff already, though, like to, to slog through to get to be caught up? or so, just To be caught up, complex. exactly. Yeah. To be, yeah. No, no, definitely. You don't understand the universe it inhabits yet. And there, it's such a big universe, the the Star Wars you know, Star Trek universe. So yeah, you would you would have to really know a lot to understand what was going on. I mean, it was entertaining. And as someone who as someone who's a big fan, I can't really say how it would come across to someone who wasn't. But I felt like there was just so much there that you'd be just constantly going, "Well, what is this? And what is that? And why are they doing this? And who's that person?" Because it's so built into the canon of the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a really good. A reason I've never started Doctor Who. I have a lot of friends who love that show. It's been going on so long that it just, it's daunting. I'm like, I don't want to start at the beginning. That's like, what, 15, 20 years of of shows, you know? But the funny thing is it's like 50 years because people like me started back in the, was it the 90s? When they rebooted it on the BBC and kind of generated an entire new audience, especially a huge American audience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but there's this whole decades long prequel to that of, you know, another seven or eight doctors that existed, um, before we get to the one that, that relaunched it back in the nineties. So, so that's a a kind of a unique, um, IP in the, in respect that they did build a whole new audience and, and, uh, and the audience keeps changing too, because. The show keeps changing every time. Uh, if you're not a f- fan of Doctor Who, the Doctor is an alien who doesn't die. He regenerates and becomes a different person with all his same memories and stuff. But so you have all these different Doctors and people have their favorite ones. So some people like, you know, certain uh, there were three or four seri- seasons with, you know, Matt Smith and with uh, David Tennant and you know Peter, Cipal- uh, Peter Cipaldi. I can never name- say his name right. So each each group of episodes that has different doctors has their own fans too. 
So that's a little bit of a churn then. Some people are like, well, I don't like that one, so I'm not going to watch it. Some people are purists that only watch the old ones that started in black and white. Oh, wow. I mean, but that's a brilliant concept because you can reference things from the past, but you don't have to because of the concept. Right. And and people can pick it up a little bit easier. They always reiterate, oh, this is who this is, because each time the doctor regenerates, he gets new companions who travel with him. So he gets to re-explain everything to them. So it's a very interesting trope that they have there mm-hmm. where they can just, oh, and you always wait for the those things to hit because there's certain... Um, responses people have to learning all this stuff it's always the same which is kind of funny so yeah it's bigger on the inside everyone knows what that means if you're a a doctor who fan (laughs) so let's go back a little bit because there's actually two interesting points from before that i wanted to touch on so first of all you know people talk about franchise fatigue series fatigue i think a good example as much as i love the harry potter series which you mentioned is jk rowling you know i loved harry potter i'm not a huge fan of the Fantastic Beasts series, and I know people are kind of, you know, souring on those as well. Again, is it a question of, should you have stopped when you were ahead? I totally understand that, because I, I mean, I like the movies, but it felt so distant from Harry Potter that it felt like they were kind of like just riding its coattails, as opposed to building on the world. So I, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying there. Um, similarly, I'm trying to think of another one that did that. I was thinking more of like when they remake stuff, um, not because they really want to, but because they have to, you know, like when they did the Fantastic Four remake, you know, that was a rights thing. Like if they didn't make a movie in a certain amount of time, they'd lose the rights. I mean, but remakes are a different beast. We're we're talking about just continuing on with the same IP forever and ever and ever, which Mm -hmm. actually brings up another point. Would... I mean, obviously, series of any sort is a cash cow. Like, if you come up with a hit series like Harry Potter, like The Walking Dead, whatever, and you're like, you know, and The Walking Dead has a bazillion offshoots. Well, maybe not a bazillion, but it does have some. So you're like, cool, cash cow. I can just keep going. But then it becomes the only thing you're known for. And is is that a bad thing or a good thing? Well, I think the people who are working on the show are pretty happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think writers in general... You can you see it a lot um, in turnover as series get older. You get into fourth, fifth seasons. People have locked in their their uh, syndication rights and royalties and stuff. That's when they start pitching other shows and wanting to jump to a, a new show that's fresher because their show they know is gonna at some point end. You know, most shows four seasons is kind of like you know if you get to if you get past two, then you get three and four because of syndication, and then after syndication, it's kind of just how long can they go until the cast becomes too expensive for for them to keep running the show? That's kind of the next fact. But if you run into something like The Simpsons or The Walking Dead, it just keeps going and they can actually, well, The Walking Dead, they can turn over the cast. They can change the cast in and out. So they can kind of avoid the, the budgetary issue. And they do the spinoff shows as well. Again, yeah, it's a cash cow. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't stop as long as they still have an audience. You know, it's interesting. We've talked about this before, too, the difference between American writing styles and, for example, say, Britain, where American TV, we tend to just write and write and we have a loose framework, but we don't necessarily know that it's going to end in season eight or how it's going to end. Whereas in British TV, they, they they basically write it like it's a film and they know the start, the the middle and the end. And they know, like, in season three, like, 
this is the wrap up and it's done. And I feel like with streaming, we're beginning to see a little bit more of that. Oh, definitely. Um, Netflix, I think, is no- notorious for that, I guess, in some ways. They've already announced that there was going to be a season three of their you know, reboot of Lost in Space, but it was going to be the last season. So I think people discover things on streaming you know, over a longer period of time, and then they find out, well, it's already over, it's already been canceled, or it's going to be canceled, so why would I start watching it? It seems odd for them to do that, to, to upfront say something's going to end. Because people like things that go on. I mean, Law and Order has been on forever and multiple incarnations. And as long as you keep making it, people will watch it. Although, okay, so something like Law and Order, I know it doesn't have the overall arcs as like, say, Friends or Walking Dead or whatever. I mean, I, as a viewer, I like having a tidy ending. When the series ends, I like I like that they had forethought enough to wrap it up nicely. Like, remember the big backlash with How I Met Your Mother? And everyone's like, are you kidding? That was the ending. That's so cheap. Because it was like, you kind of thought about the ending, but not really. You sort of let it get away from you. So, I mean, I like that style of writing. For example, with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the showrunners were like, this is not going to go beyond, I think, four or five seasons. I'm trying to remember exactly how many years it was on. I want to say three or four, but they knew exactly where they wanted it to end. And it was strong. Yeah. Well, that I didn't watch that show actually, but yeah, the uh you know, having a good plan is great. I mean, but I think ending a show is 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 harder than starting one in some ways. You look at how torn people were when Lost ended and some people liked the ending, some people didn't. Sometimes having a show just be canceled and die, you know, at least you don't have to deal with that, oh, I liked it or I didn't like the ending. You just kind of like mourn the loss of it, I guess. You just come up with your own ending. You're happier mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one one example, actually, Star Trek, for the longest time, they had a kind of a, 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 a seven-season arc for all their se- shows. They kind of knew that it was kind of like how long they were going to last. So Next Generation, uh, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager all did seven seasons. The uh, Star Trek Enterprise, uh, the show that came after that, was the, f- the first one that didn't. It only did four seasons because they just couldn't. It was a prequel, actually, because it went back before the original series. And they they just couldn't you know keep it going after four. They got they got their four years for syndication, but they couldn't keep it going beyond that. So not every um, franchise you know is a winner you know all the time. Yeah, I think. I mean, I understand. Obviously, you want to make money, so you're like, hey, if this is bringing in the mm-hmm. box, I will write this forever. But I feel from a creativity and artistic side, I wouldn't want to only be known for one property i would want to write other things and prove that i can write even if it's the same genre like it's all comedy to prove that i can write other shows or write other books and i think if you if you can only do the one thing if you do try to branch out and you fail your fans get so mad yeah it's it's the idea that if you think you can do one more you probably shouldn't that's when you should stop you know, kind of go out on a high mm-hmm. versus try to squeeze one more out. Uh, I think this topic came up because I just watched Angel Has Fallen on Netflix, which is the f- third movie in the oh, uh, yeah. in the Fallen series that where um, you know Morgan Freeman's the president trying to be assassinated by some whoever it is. Well, and, he's not trying to be assassinated. Uh, no, no, I mean someone's <laughs> trying to assassinate Morgan Freeman, just like Facebook does on a regular basis. Um, he's still alive. 
Yeah. So in this, in this one, you know, I love the first two they did. It was a, was it Olympus has fallen and then London has fallen. Those are great. And then this third one came out and it was just, it was, oh my God. It, I mean, there was some good action in it, but every step of the way I knew exactly what was going to happen. Like it was such a retread. Um, they used all the tropes. I knew exactly who the bad guy was, how he, how the good guy was going to fall, um, how he was going to get back. I, it, it was just pointless. It's like, if you're going to do some, do another one of something, make sure it's unique. You got to really be unique. And this, this was, I mean, it wasn't even that it wasn't unique. It was, it was falling back on every single action movie trope mm. and cliche. You know, I don't want to go into spoiler stuff, but yeah, it was, it was, um, it had like one unique scene to it that it was really cool. It was the, the actual assassination attempt was kind of cool. You know, it's funny, like, that's kind of how I felt about the John Wick series. Like, I loved the first one. The second one, I was like, well, how are they going to, like, the only reason I watched number three, I was like, how are they going to get out of the corner that they painted themselves into for number two? And I liked some of the action scenes, but I was like, okay, I think, I think we're good, (laughs) you know? Uh, Some people felt the other way. They felt two was the letdown and three was the right redemption. So sometimes that happens, too. I mean, I still love number one. I thought the first one yeah. was the best, you know, but yeah. I think it's because it's the first time you see something like that and you're like, oh my gosh. So like you're saying, when you do a trilogy, you're like, okay, more of the same. I've seen this already. They, they, they all were, I, they all blend together for me. I can't even tell you which one's which. I don't even remember what stories were in each of them. I know there's a dog that gets killed and he's mad about it. I mean, That's in the I've seen one. them all. <laughs> Is that the first one? Yeah. So yeah. you killed, you killed my dog. <laughs> yeah. So what do you guys think? Uh, when is enough enough? Let us know. Tweet it at us at WG Therapy. Find us online at writersgrouptherapy.com. Hope you guys are all doing well, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>